527. Yeah. 
turn to 161, 161. Amen. We'll stand on the fourth verse, on the fourth verse. seated. Uh, just a couple of announcements as we do have the bulletin for most of the announcements. We'll get that if you would. And then um, just a couple things to remember. This is uh, March, our first Sunday of March. Well, the last Sunday in March is Easter. And so Easter is March the 31st this year, just so that you know. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper on the Tuesday before uh, Easter, and so that's the 26th of March, so that'll be at 7 o'clock here at the church Tuesday, and we will, yes, still have a Wednesday 
um, we will still have a Wednesday service. And so please do uh, remember that and be in preparation for the Lord's Supper. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings at this time if our men will come. And uh, I don't know if we ever had winter, but we're hard into spring already, aren't we? Amen. Brother Wade, if you would, ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, excited to be in your house today to hear your word, Lord. And we just want to thank you for the beautiful weather, Lord. Lord, we just pray for all those who can't be here today, Lord. Just ask that you be with them, Lord, just help build them, Lord. Lord, once again, we'll pray for our country, Lord. Just continue to pray for our leaders, Lord. Just pray for Texas and all the trials they're going through right yeah, now, Father, Lord, Lord, all over the world. We're just so appreciative for everything you do in our lives, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. sing 113 113 
All right, get your Bibles if you would, and we're going to turn to the book of John, John chapter 11 today. Jimmy talked about <clears throat> common portions of Scripture. Hopefully we can see it in a little bit different way here. This is, uh, of course, the portion of Scripture that talks about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And, uh, and uh, a tremendous, obviously, portion of Scripture, kind of the highlight it's pretty much in the middle of the book of John, if you will. It's kind of the apex, uh, other than, of course, the crucifixion. But uh, uh, just a very important chapter in the Bible. We're only going to be able to get to the first part of it today. So uh, in John chapter 11, we're going to read down to verse 15. And the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto, them, saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. I will, if you will, read that last verse again. The Bible says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may believe. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege to take and to sing your praises here tonight. We thank you for the health that we enjoy to assemble together. And Father, we do pray that you would be with those who are apart from us. Father, we pray that you would... Just meet needs, body, soul, and spirit. Warm hearts of those who should be here, Lord. Uh, give conviction and a draw. And Father, help us for a time to just uh, remove the cares of this world, the thoughts of our minds that distract us. And Father, we just pray that we would come humbly and boldly into your presence, seeking, if you will, a, uh, a message or a word for us today to strengthen our faith, and Father, maybe to help us to have a witness. Or Father, maybe today is a day of salvation for someone here. We just pray that your will would be done. Father, all things would be done to glorify you. And we ask this all now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, uh, the most important thing to understand a text is context. And we've noticed in the last few messages that one of the things that's been going on is Jesus has been put on trial. He's been putting uh, his detractors on trial. They've been putting him on trial. We'll see here in a moment that uh, in last chapter they said, they said, how long do you make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And, and you remember, of course, he said, the reason that you couldn't hear, you're not of my sheep. You're not going to listen. You're not going to respond. We looked at that for a couple weeks. And so if you will, this is after all that, that contest and contention has been taking place. And if you will, uh, uh, if you will, that you understand that it, it had come to a death threat. I mean, he said, listen, we're going to go back to Jerusalem. We're going to go back to Judea, okay, where the Jews are. And the Jews, we'll see here in a moment, but the Jews are the religious leaders of the temple. And they're seeking to kill Jesus. They're looking at any opportunity that they might be able to trip him up, if you will, and, and make it so that they can have him stoned or have him killed, if you will. 
And, uh, and so they said, hey, you, you remember last time you were there, they wanted to take the, to stone you and to kill you. And he essentially said this. He says, uh, uh, while it is day, I must do the works of God. Night cometh when no man can work. He said that in another place, but it's, it's still applying here. Meaning he's essentially saying this. He says, I still have work to do. And I got to go do it while it is day. I have to do it when I have the opportunity. And so if you will, that is the context of this portion of Scripture. And so, like I said, the Jewish leaders are, uh, are coming to take, and they wouldn't receive his answer. Uh, uh, I've shown you, and I, I've told you, and you just will not believe. But notice, if you will, in chapter 10, that, that was in verse 24. Go to verse 38. Notice what the Bible says in, in John 10, verse 38. The Bible says there, it says, but if I do, okay, he's talking about miracles. He says, though ye believe not, believe the works. Y'all see that? Believe the miracles. If, if you don't believe my word, and if you don't believe the testimony of my father, and if you don't believe the testimony of John the Baptist, at least believe the miracles. I mean, you, you've seen and you're all upset and you're disturbed because I healed a blind man on the Sabbath day. I took and I healed a crippled man on the Sabbath day. And, and, and you're upset and, and it just tortures you to those things. But listen, how many people have ever done those things? And the answer, of course, is nobody. Show us a miracle and we'll believe you. And he says, I, I could show you all the miracles and you'll still not believe. By the way, how many of y'all have read chapter 11? Verses 45 and 46, it talks about many people saw Lazarus risen from the dead. And many believed. The, the ones that came with the disciples, they believed. Amen. But the Bible says that those who came from the Pharisees went back and told the Pharisees. And they said, what, what are we going to do? This, everybody's starting to believe in this guy. And, of course, they said, you don't know anything. Somebody's got to die. And they basically said, we're going to kill him. Okay. They made it abundantly clear that they were going to kill Jesus. You know, when you take and you look at this, it's interesting to me in verses 1 through 15, back in our text in, in John 11, there's, there's a few things that we see, because what God is doing here is this. Is Jesus is now doing this miracle here so that his apostles and his followers' faith might be strengthened. You notice what he said. He said, I'm glad that I wasn't there. I mean, think about that. He's, he's saying, he's saying, in a sense, you could take it, you could look at it in the wrong way. You could say, well, he's glad his friend died. And, and by the way, he, notice what Jesus said. He didn't die. To die is to be absent from the Lord. <laughs> he didn't die, okay? He's asleep. We're going to go wake him up. And then they didn't understand. He said, well, he's dead. He's dead, okay? Uh, verse 2 is, is where he says that. Go and look and, and notice it. It says, uh, not, not verse 2, excuse me, verse 4. The Bible says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Well, please take this the right way. He died. You realize what he's saying? He says, this sickness is not for the purpose of him dying. This sickness is for the purpose of me being glorified. Okay? You know, the Bible says this. Jesus said this. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And you realize that's a principle. What he's talking about here is, is not glory for glory's sake or glory so that he could be better. He, he's saying, listen, I must be glorified. Why? So that people may be drawn to me. So that they might be saved. Amen. And so the reason, if you will, that Lazarus died is so that I could be glorified. I preached this a few years ago. I, I was looking at the notes, and I don't want to re-preach the message, but I want you to know this, that Jesus loved this family. The Bible tells us here in verses 1 through 3, and then again in verse 5, the Bible says in verse 3, notice what it says, he loved Lazarus. And if you look at that, it's interesting, you know, what we're, we're doing our Bible study at 4.30, we'll be doing it again today. Anybody still invited? And uh, one of the things is we're supposed to observe things, okay? And so it would be very good. The Bible says he loved Lazarus. Well, it might be good to look at what word. Because it's not the word agape. See, agape means sacrificial or, or obedient type love. It's, it's the word phylos. It literally means brotherly love or family love. If you will, he loved him like a brother. And, you know, the Bible tells us that we have the privilege to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, does it not? He says, no longer do I call you servants, or servant knoweth not what his master doeth. He says, but I have called you friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. 
And he, he's talking about here, he says, listen, I, I don't, listen, I, I, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you unto death, and I want you to be obedient and love me back. But please take this the right way. Jesus is just as much saying this, I want to be your friend. I want to be, I want to have brotherly love with you. That's what it's talking about. I want to love you as family, okay? What do we call one another when we don't know one another's name in a church? Brother and sister. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? Because it, it makes remembering names so much easier. Amen? <laughs> it's only, you worry sometimes, oh, I hope I'm using the right title. Amen? But here, here's the whole thing. He loved him like a brother or a family. Uh, keep your place here, but go to Luke chapter 18, please. Luke chapter 18. Excuse me. Look at verse uh, 29. Luke 18, verse 29. This, uh, this verse actually gave me trouble when I was first a Christian. Back in the old days, and, and uh, young people might appreciate this because I'm sure you don't know this, but back in the old days, we had computers, and uh, we had to load the programs with cassette tapes. Anybody old enough to remember that? Now, the businesses could use the disks, but us poor people that had home units had to do disk, disk, cassette disk. Now, I just, just for my own amusement here, how many of y'all know what a cassette disk is? Well, yeah, you probably use the 8-inch floppies. This guy's old school here. <laughs> the reel-to-reel and the disk packs. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, how many don't know what a cassette disk is? You guys all know. You just didn't want to raise your hand. Now I feel like quizzing them. Should I? <laughs> all right. How do you fix a cassette disc? Well, don't tell them. <laughs> Man, many hours with the eraser end of a pencil going like that, trying to fix your thing, right? Uh, I don't know how I got off on that. What am I talking about? Ah! <laughs> This was back in the day where if you wanted to download a Bible program, you just didn't go to an app and press on it and download it. You start using it literally within a minute. Uh, this was back in the days where it would take you overnight to download the program on an old modem. Bing bong, bing bong. I'm seeing all the old people here. Amen. And uh, you would take and you would download your program, and then you would say, well, what book of the Bible? So you had to know what book. The verse you were looking for was in, amen? And then you would have to download that book overnight, and then the next day you could use it. And then you say, well, it's not in that book. I've got to look in this book. Anyhow, one of the, one of the sites I downloaded my, uh, my Bible program from wasn't a website back then. It was a bulletin board. Anyhow, yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, we're old. Yeah. <laughs> bulletin board. Okay. My whole point is this is on his bulletin board page, it had this verse. And I couldn't understand how somebody could hate their mother, father, sister, or brethren. And I said, that's NIV. <laughs> Until I researched it and found out it wasn't. And it really takes some thinking and, and meditating to understand this verse. But look at verse 29 again. And the Bible says this. Uh, I'm in the wrong chapter. 1920. And the Bible says this. It says, and he, say, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren. By the way, this isn't the verse. The verse is, I hate my mother and my father. This is the corollary to it, Okay. But the Bible says this, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children. And by the way, when the Bible says that you have to hate your mother, father, sister, and brethren, that's what he's talking about. Leaving them for the cause of Christ. Okay? Now please take this the right way. There's some people in this room that had to make a choice between family and faith. Meaning what? If you trust Christ, you can just leave. Maybe you've offended their religion. Maybe you've somehow, you guys know what I'm talking about? Well, here's, here's the reason that that verse makes sense, because then the Bible talks about all the benefit that we have even sitting in this room. Because the Bible says, the Bible says, There is no man that hath left 
house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more, can you say the next part with me, in this present time. That's the church. That's fellow Christians. How many of y'all have friends in other churches? How many of y'all have Christian friends you never see, but when you see them, you're friends again? And immediately there's a relationship and there's a connection. And the Bible says that you can be restored a hundredfold. See, see that right there? And literally, if you've given up six people's relationships for the cause of Christ, and by the way, you didn't put them away, they put you away. You all understand that? And it's the price of discipleship sometimes. And God says this, he says, listen, if you'll do it, I'll give you a hundred times more. Meaning what? How many of y'all have more Christian friends today than you have friends from high school? A hundred times more? Be quite honest, probably right there, isn't it? I mean, think about it. I mean, honestly, I, you know, most of us probably couldn't name five people we went to high school we're still in contact with. And yet, and yet as Christians, we might have friends and, and loved ones uh, everywhere. Okay, you all understand that. And so if you will, if you will, he loved Lazarus. How did he love him? He loved him the same way that we can love one another and the Lord loves us as family. Okay, that that phylos love, that brotherly love, that friendship love. Amen. The love that we have for our friends. Folks, the Bible says in verse three, back in our text, if you will, in, in John chapter 11, the Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus. And the Bible says, I believe in verse five, uh, well, talking about the family, that the whole family loved him back, if you will. Notice also, if you will, that uh, he loved Martha and Mary. Look at verse five. In verse 5, the Bible says this. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You all see that? He loved the whole family. They, 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 they were like adopted family to him. What was his relationship with his family at this point? Folks, if you're not familiar, at this point, many of his own brothers still had not come to faith in him. Amen. Didn't believe in him. Thought that he was mentally unstable. He says, listen, who, who wants to be known and does the things that you're doing? If, if you're the Christ, tell everybody. And I, I mean, he's literally getting opposition from his own family. And can I just say this? Might have been uncomfortable for him to go home. You'll notice he doesn't go home to Mary. He doesn't go home to his mom. He doesn't go home to his brothers and sisters. He goes home here, if you will, to this family that loved him. Lazarus and Martha and Mary, and they loved him back. Notice what the Bible says in verse 2. This is interesting. And I, I've struggled with this verse in times past because I always thought there were two different Marys, okay? But in studying it uh, for this message here, I, I realized, you know, a lot of times you can take and you can look and you can see that uh, um, how often a, a certain account is given in the Bible. And if it's given in all four Gospels, okay, if it's given in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can know it's important. We've been studying the feeding of the 5,000. It's in all four Gospels. Is it important? It's important. Well, here's a the, here's the little secret here. It's talked about in Matthew, Mark, and John, what we see in chapter 12, verse 3. In chapter 12, verse 3, Mary, if you will, anointed his feet and rubbed his feet with her hair. And if you will, she anointed his body also for the preparing of his burial. Amen. But get a hold of this. Look what it says in verse 2 now. The Bible says in verse 2, it says, It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment. And I will say there, you say, well, yeah, yeah, they knew what was going to happen in chapter 12. It was that Mary. Okay. Because there is a fourth account of a woman who anointed the feet of Jesus at a, Pharaoh's, at, at a Pharisee's house. Y'all with me? And can I just say this? I think that's validating the fact that that was Mary also. Before I tell you where to go, I want you to think about this for a second. Lazarus loved Jesus. Martha loved Jesus. By the way, this was Martha's house. It should have been Lazarus's house. What's that tell you? Martha's gone through some tragedy. I mean, she was probably married, and this was her husband's house, and now she's inherited it, if you will. You all understand? And, uh, and so it doesn't say it's Lazarus's house. It says it's Martha's house. Amen. And if you will, uh, maybe they've had a little bit of tragedy in their life. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, 
leprosy. I don't know if that applies to Lazarus or not, but uh, uh, I, I need to do a little bit more study. But can I say maybe something happened there too? It seems like a pretty squared away family here, doesn't it? I mean, they love Jesus. They're inviting him in his home. They're doing things nobody else is doing. But where were they before they met Jesus? Go to Luke, if you will, again. Chapter 7. Luke, chapter 7. I wonder why they were willing to do so much for Jesus, and why they were so close, and why they were an extended family. Luke, chapter 7, and verse 37. And the Bible says this, it says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a... And by the way, everybody's a sinner. So take this the right way. She was a notorious sinner. Y'all got it? Because they asked a, a, a question saying, if this man was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman is touching his feet right now. Please take this the right way. Servants, the lowliest servant washed the feet. Please get this the right way. This woman wasn't worthy to wash his feet. Amen. And the Bible says in verse 37, again, And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. I'll ask you, please forgive me, but I wonder how she could afford an alabaster box of ointment. I think in my heart that it's possible that she was a prostitute. I don't know that for a fact. But folks, this is a very valuable box of oil. It's worth one year's wages. One year's wages. Okay? It's a very valuable box of oil. Ointment. And the Bible says in verse 38, And stood at his feet behind him weeping. By the way, why was she behind him? Folks, they're eating in the Pharisee's house. You guys ever seen how they eat? They lay on their left side. They face the center of the table, okay? Remember at the Last Supper, they're not all sitting at the table like Da Vinci's got. You know, with me? He wasn't there. He didn't know. <laughs> they all lay on their left side. They'll reach for the food with their right. And when he walked into the house, it was his host's duty to have a servant wash his feet, to give him a kiss, and to anoint his head. And he did none of those things. He, he really didn't want him in his house. And so they're, set, they're, they're laying, they're, they're reclining, if you will, at the table, and they're getting ready to eat. And so she is standing behind him, and she's crying. And as she cries, the tears are falling on his feet. And she's taking, in a very pathetic manner, her long hair. And she's, folks, please take this the right way. There's no doubt his feet were dirty. What do you think the tears formed when she cried on him? I mean, I, I, in my heart, I think she's wiping mud and dirt. And once she gets them clean with her tears, she anoints them again with that very valuable ointment. Amen. And then, of course, uses the illustration to talk about the, his lack of hospitality, if you will. But the whole point is, folks, the Bible says this is that same Mary who did that. Well, then why was she the one that did it again? We'll talk about that here in a second. Let's talk about it now. Judas Iscariot said, why, why has this waste been made? Because that box of oil could have been sold, ointment could have been sold. And, uh, well, we could have given that to the poor. And the Bible says not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he carried the bag. You all understand? And, uh, and, uh, and so here's my whole point. If Mary was who I just said she was, how many life skills do you think she had? What did she have to offer the Lord? You know what she had to offer the Lord? Her love and that box of ointment. I think so many times we as Christians were we're discouraged because we can't offer what other people can offer. You ever heard people say, well, I, I can't sing. And yet God's requirement for singing is, <laughs> I guarantee you we can all make a joyful noise. 
We might sound like geese, but it's going to be good. Amen. What does God require of us to give our best? We talked about it this morning about the, 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 the widow woman who had her two mites and she came and she put her two mites in there and, and boy, this would have been a good message for me to bring my two mites so you could see them. Folks, I, I have two widow's mites. I bought them and, and uh, they're just little tiny insignificant coins. I don't, I'm not even sure they're made of brass. I, I, they, I don't know what they're made of. They're very decayed. They're very decayed. And, uh, and yet she threw those in, and Jesus went, did you see that? Did you see that? Come on now, amen. And every, at the temple, they had what were called trumpets, okay? And so they had, if you will, a big opening, a trumpet, and it would come down, and you would take, and you would put your offerings in there, and it would go down, and, and, it, and it would collect, amen? And as people took and threw whatever gold and silver, you can imagine the clank, and right, amen? And everybody, whoa, look, he just put in a bunch, and whoa, look, he put in a bunch, and they're all impressed with the wrong one, because Jesus went, look what that widow woman just put in. And what did she put in? She put in everything she had. We're going to read about her for the rest of eternity. You think she's gotten a reward from those two mites? Come on now, amen? If you will. Why, why, did, why did Mary, why was she the one that the only way she could love him back was crying on his feet, wiping the mud from him, and then anointing him in the end from head to toe, preparing his body for the burial? Because you notice the thing about Mary is you always find her at Jesus' feet. Always. And when Mary, Martha came to complain about it, Jesus says she's chosen that good part. She, she made a good choice. Amen. And it was all because she just loved Jesus. Can I tell you, there's nothing more encouraging to me than when people come to church because they love hearing about Jesus. Amen? But these are also the people that he chose to put through a tremendous trial. Lord, if you've been here, he whom you love wouldn't have died. Can you imagine that? Martha comes up, you know, the one you love died. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Amen? You think Martha was hurting? I'm not trying to be cute. Lazarus was dead. And Mary, she's, you look at, read the chapter, she's distraught. She's running back and forth. And, oh. Amen. I think God only asks the highest price of those who love him the most. Amen. He put them through great trials. And by the way, she loved him. She loved him the only way that she could and the only way that she knew. Amen. And this was phylos love. This was brotherly love, caring love, family love, not, not obedient love. But obedient love is important too. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. And that's agape. That's that, that's that. listen, he loved us unto death. He, he was obedient. Amen. And so we should be obedient because we love him back. Amen. But folks, there's a difference between the obedient love. I'm, I'm going to take and do it because he loved me first. So I'm going to love him back. Amen. And then that family love where it's emotional, it's close, and it's personal. Amen. And yet sometimes those are the very ones that he calls to make the greatest sacrifices for him. He says, he didn't, this, this sickness didn't come on to him for death. No, folks, he died. But in Jesus' mind, he's already raised. Well, having said that, he gets to die again. Because he did. Amen. We see he tries the family that he loves. And by the way, sometimes he lets us go through these trials for a while. Banking on the fact they love me, they're going to be okay. I gotta be honest with you, there's times I, I've asked God not to put me through trials. I, oh God, please don't do that. 
I, I pray I've never limited God. But I would say this, I mean, if I pray that I would be close enough to in that trial, I could say, God, if this is for your glory, then be glorified. Amen. I want you to see, if you will, uh, go to verse 4. Again, look what the Bible says in, in, in verse 4 back in our text. In John chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible says, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. He, he reinforces it. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us how far. They, that he had to go back. And so he had to go back to Bethany. They said, Don't do it. They're looking to kill you. Well, how far was Bethany from Jerusalem? The Bible tells us. Go down to verse 18. It says, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs. A furlong is, is the same thing you think of in horse racing. It's an eighth of a mile. So 15 furlongs is just under two miles, okay? So just under two miles away. So pretty much walking distance. Hey, Jesus is here, and boy, his enemies would show up. And, and, and of course, uh, uh, instead of showing up, they, they went and got tattled on. But uh, the whole point is this. Uh, think about this. He delayed until he could be glorified. And Please take this the right way. You can rescue yourself every once in a while. Let's say you're going through a financial problem. Well, you just pull out one of these things, man. You can rescue yourself. By the way, Americans are doing it at uh, destructive levels. And um, uh, by the way, I pay that one off every month. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, the whole point is this, is uh, you, can, you can rescue yourself. You can pull yourself out of the fire. But please take this the right way. Maybe sometimes God wants you to go through the fire. Why? To glorify me. Because when I'm lifted up, then I will. Come on now. I'll draw all men to myself. And so it's necessary for me to, the Bible says, how long did he wait? The Bible says, oh, my, my, my friend Lazarus is dead. How many of y'all would pack a bag and start running? And Jesus didn't. <laughs> The Bible says he abode in that city two whole days. Two whole days. In a sense, he just kind of sat down. And he says, well, I'll get, I'll get around to that. Amen. And by the time he showed up, now, by the time he showed up where Lazarus was, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Both are meaningful, by the way. Okay, both are meaningful. That's another message for another day. But my whole point is this. He waited until he was not just dead, but he was thoroughly dead. Okay, so much so he said, don't open that, don't open that tomb, he's, he's decaying, he stinks by now. Okay, meaning there is no hope. The Jews actually believe, I'm told this, the Jews actually believe that the spirit hovered around the body until uh, the third day, and then the third day the, the spirit went off. Now, I don't know about you, I, I hope it's not like that, because the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. <laughs> no need for me to hang around. <laughs> okay, all right, and, uh, and so if you will, he waited until hope was lost. Questions began to run through their mind. If you really loved him, why didn't you run back? Amen. By the way, take this the right way. If he'd have started as soon as he heard it, he'd have still been dead two days. But get a hold of this. Jesus couldn't have been glorified in the minds of the people after two days. He had to be dead for over three days. What's the one sign that he told them to look for? The sign of Jonah, okay? And so, if you will, he made sure by, if you will, taking those that he loved and delaying what he could do so that he could be glorified. And then, if you will, he taught them the true nature of death. Notice what the Bible says in verse 11. John chapter 11, verse 11. It says, These things saith he, after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, what's the Bible say? Sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. All the disciples, yes, he's not dead. He's just sick. He's, he's just sleeping it off, amen, and get some rest and get some fluids. He's going to be all right. Woo-hoo, amen. That's what they're saying. And Jesus goes, no, you don't get it. Our friend Lazarus is dead. What? Folks, it teaches us the nature of death. If you will, death, the ultimate definition of death is this, is separation from God. Because when Adam and Eve died, they were separated from God in the Garden of Eden. Amen? And so God gives us the definition, very, very front of the book. Amen? And so if you will, he's, he's saying, this sickness is not unto death. Oh, good, he's not going to die. Nah, you still don't get it. He's going to die. 
But the purpose of this sickness is not so that he dies. The purpose of this sickness is so I can call him forth from the grave. Amen. And so if you will, he says he is just sleeping. Why? I'm going to go wake him up. Amen. You guys have heard the, the old illustration. It's a good thing he said Lazarus come forth. Because if he did just said come forth, they'd all come forth. Amen. Okay. And it's true. Okay. And so if you will, he said Lazarus come forth. And Lazarus, folks, still wrapped in the grave clothes. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Still wrapped in the grave clothes. Amen. And if you will, uh, very much alive. Why? Because it was a miracle. You know who could do it? Only God could do it. Y'all with me? Now, doesn't that make sense? Amen. Now, get a hold of this. What is the other death then? Because it talks about the death for unbelievers. Would you go to Luke chapter 16? Luke chapter 16. Luke verse 22. You guys know this, but it's just good to look at it in comparison. The Bible says in, in uh, verse 22, you know about the, the rich man, Lazarus. And uh, in verse 22, the Bible says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Now see, Mindy's not here because this would be a perfect time for an illustration, and I'm not going to hug Jimmy. But folks, think about this. This is our bosom. Okay? And when you welcome somebody, if you will, he gets to Abraham's bosom, but it's a, it's a metaphor for paradise. Today it's in heaven because we don't have to go there because Jesus has made a way for us to immediately go to heaven. Amen? But if you will, he, and don't you know he probably wanted to hug Abraham first? Why? Because Abraham's the father of the faithful. He's the one that started this whole thing. Amen. And so if you will, Abraham, he comes and, and they're embracing. Amen. By the way, who carried him there? Angels carried him there. Amen. Truth. Right? And, and so if you will, there's this wonderful reunion and this reception. Amen. And that's sleep. Because if you will, you go to sleep and you wake up in paradise. Sleep. Not death, because that's what happened for the rich man. Go to verse 23. And the Bible says, uh, verse 22, and the rich man also died and was buried and in hell. Amen. I don't know about the angels carrying him there. He just ended up in hell. And the Bible says, and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. And he sees Abraham, what's the Bible say? That hug he was wanting. By the way, how many of y'all want to hug Abraham first now? I'm not trying to be clever. How many of y'all want to hug Jesus first? Well, that's what it's going to be like for us. Amen? And the Bible says, in hell he lift up his eyes and he looked. Please think about this. Don't you know in his mind he's saying, boy, I'd like to be hugging Abraham now. Come on. Is that the text? He said, Father Abraham, could you send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue? Because I'm tormented in this flame. He said, I can't. There's a great gulf fixed between us. We're so separated, we'll never meet ever again. Amen. All those loved ones, right? And he says, well, go tell my brothers so they don't come to this awful place. You remember what his answer was? He says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He says, nay, but if one rose from the dead. And he says, neither will they believe though one rose from the dead. I'm going to ask you a question. Did Jesus Christ raise from the dead? By the way, the ultimate glorification of Christ. The ultimate glorification of Christ. Okay? Meaning what? Folks, sometimes God puts us through things so that he alone can get the glory. Y'all with me? Any of y'all ever been through those times? Where it's just hard. And it hurts. Sometimes you might even say, Lord, why me? 
Amen? And can I just say this? You might be able to get your answer if you're a person of faith. If you're not a person of faith, it's going to be a difficult time. But if you're a person of faith, Jesus can look at you through this word and say, it's because I needed to be glorified. Why, why is that important? So that they might believe. Can I ask you a question? After you got saved, any of y'all ever struggled with your faith? Don't raise your hand. But know this. Sometimes God puts us through these difficult times just to glorify himself so that we might believe. You know why? Because how many of y'all can look back and go, oh, what a terrible trial, and then God will deliver you. Whoa! Oh, what a terrible trial, and God will deliver you. <laughs> oh, what a terrible trial, what am I going to do? I'm just going to trust God. Why? Because he delivered me there. He delivered me there. Next time we sing about Ebenezer, that's that stone of remembrance. You can remember, he helped me here, he helped me here, he helped me here. And folks, that's how I want to end. Because even the most faithful people sometimes are saying, God, I'm, I'm in another trial again. I... John the Baptist said, are, are you the one that is to come, or should we look for another? You've got to remember, he's been arrested for preaching truth. And he's within moments of having his head cut off. And he basically says, are you the one? You know what Jesus told his, his disciples, John's disciples? He says, sit around and watch what I do for the next couple hours. And he healed the blind, and he, he healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind, he healed the sick. He, he made the lame to walk, amen. He preached. He says, go tell them what I preached about. Go show them the miracles that I did, amen. And if you will, John the Baptist could go to his martyrdom in peace. Why? Because God glorified himself one more time. Look who I am and look what I can do. And folks, I'm just telling you that sometimes God puts the people he loves the most through the hardest trials. Why? Just so that we might have a little bit more faith, a little bit more faith, a little bit more faith, and might be able to point others to him. And people can look at us and say, how'd you get through that? And you can say, because I got an amazing God. And then he receives the glory that he deserves. And then he will draw all men unto himself. Let's all stand. If God just moved on your heart in any way, maybe come pray for somebody. Maybe you're just in a trial right now. You just want to thank God for the victory you know is ahead. I just uh, give you the invitation from the Lord. You come as we sing 318. 318.